This is Emmanuel Today, taking steps toward God's possible in your life. On today's program, Dr. Roosh presents part three of the Championship Secret Series with a message entitled, Comeback. As I'm sure many of you know, Michael Jordan made quite the comeback twice in an amazing career that included six championships. Just like his comeback, we all face setbacks from our personal choices that can be turned into a comeback when we allow God to lead the way. Failure never needs to be final. Let's join Dr. Nate Roosh right now to find out how. Today, the title of my message is Come Back, Come Back. Now, uh, there are a lot of great comebacks in the sports world uh, that have been uh, talked about. Many of you may not know about some of them. Things like the Boston Red Sox coming back from 3-1 down and winning their first World Series or uh, LeBron versus the Warriors being down 3-1 and coming back or the Patriots in the Super Bowl down to the Falcons, several touchdowns and they came back. But then there's also individuals and the individuals that they call the greatest of all time, it's an acronym, GOAT. How many have heard of the GOAT? The, 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 the GOAT is the greatest of all time. And there's some debate about that. In basketball, I'm going to settle the debate today. It's not LeBron. It's not Kobe. It's a real GOAT. The real GOAT is Michael Jordan. And I have with me somebody to prove the fact today. We have with us an actual GOAT. And, uh, and so I figured that the best way to illustrate that, how about this, with the Bulls jersey on, yeah, look at that. Wearing the Bulls jersey, Michael Jordan, the GOAT. How about that? We proved it once and for all here on Sunday morning. Would you give it up for the GOAT? <laughs> oh, this GOAT has its own mind, let me tell you got its own mind. Now, Michael Jordan's this basketball player that perhaps you've heard of before, but his story is actually pretty epic. He's got a number of comebacks in his story. He began in his early professional career and, and uh, was playing and, and gave, shot a lot, got a lot of points in, was no, and then he started making the playoffs. And uh, then he had the roadblock, which was the Detroit Pistons, the bad boys, my favorite team of all time. Went back in those days, and I was a kid and watching them win. And then finally, he overcame the Pistons and won the first of three championships from 91 to 93. And he won championships, world championships. And then, and then he retired. And it was kind of the shock in the basketball world. And his father had died, and he kind of lost his desire to play. And he instead played baseball and uh, took a, a, a break from that. And then baseball was going to go into a strike. And so he still wanted to keep doing something. And he came back to the Bulls at the end of a season. And uh, they made a valiant run in the playoffs. They didn't make it to the finals that year. But they, they made a valiant run. And Michael was back. And then he was returning. And from 95 to 98, he won then the next of three World Championships. So now he has six championships, three back to three peats, if you will, and uh, and then he retires again in 1999, 
and then he makes his comeback again, his third comeback in, in 2001. Now, Michael Jordan was this prolific figure, a scoring machine, a legendary competitiveness, but the truth was that if you just say, well, he was great the whole time, you wouldn't understand that he had setbacks in his story, things that didn't go right, perhaps in his own personal life, maybe things that were going on around him, and somehow he had a way of getting back. We all have an opportunity for comebacks in our stories. We all face setbacks in life, personal choices we've made that have unfortunate results or unforeseen circumstances can hit us, job losses or divorces or physical challenges that we face. Some of us are let down by our own unrealistic expectations. But when we lose or we mess up or we have a setback or a loss in our life, we can settle back, settle down and go back to our previous life procrastinate and delay any kind of change. It kind of gets stuck, shut down, give up, quit. But just, we're just like the biblical character Peter. Peter was Jesus' disciple, and he started as a talented fisherman who Jesus interrupted. Jesus recognized in him something that he didn't see in himself. And I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. In Matthew 16, we find Jesus talking about Peter. And in the middle of their story, he's speaking, and Peter speaks something out, and Jesus recognizes this. Verse 13, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And then he asked them, but who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. What an epic moment. Now, of course, I'm not gonna speak about this text for the whole message today, but it's a moment at which Peter declares who Jesus is, and Jesus says some things about Peter. Of course, he was Simon, he became Peter. And this is a moment where Jesus talks about the difference between being a pebble and being a rock. And of course, he's talking about the declaration being the foundation of the church, recognizing who Jesus is. But for Peter, this is pretty cool. How many of you would like to have Jesus go, you're the rock. And whatever you ask, it'll be given unto you. Uh, I think, you know, Peter's one of those guys that everything he did, he felt everybody else knew about it. Anybody have a friend, they wear their feelings on their sleeve? Peter was that person. And and uh, anything, he was, he was really high up and he was doing really good, everybody knew it. And if he was really low, everybody knew it. Now, Peter then moves from this point in his story. He takes this, this relational context with Jesus, and he's feeling pretty good about it. Maybe, maybe a little overly confident. Like, everything's only going to get better from here on out. It's amazing. I got the job. I got what I want. 
everything is coming together for you. I don't know what that is in your story. When everything seemed to be coming together and you have this vision that everything is going to be an endless string of victories. Everything is going to work out. Everything is going to go right. And for Peter, he might have been a little bit confident. In fact, Jesus begins along the way to tell his disciples, you know what? There's going to come a time when somebody's going to betray me and I'm going to go to the cross. And in Mark chapter 14, verse 29, Peter's there and he says this. Peter said to him, even if everyone else deserts you, I never will. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny three times that you even know me. No, Peter declared emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the others vowed the same. He was so overly confident that he wouldn't do it. Why would he? He's got everything going from him. He's Peter. He's the rock. Why would he ever deny him? But Jesus knew that things were going to happen in his life, in his story, within the next day that would change everything. And Peter, of course, did end up denying Jesus three times before the rooster crowed. And defeat then began to come in after the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And we find that Peter had moved away from this great confidence and and feeling good about himself. And he had gone back to his old job being a fisherman. The movement was over. It had stopped. He had gone back to zero, back to the place he was before Jesus had called him. And there's good news in Peter's story. And there's good news in yours as well. We're going to see today how champions bounce back, how their setbacks are for a comeback. Today, you have hope. Come on, somebody. Failure doesn't have to be final. And if you lean in and listen, you'll hear some championship secrets telling you to get back in the game. Turn with me now to John chapter 21. In John 21, in fact, this is going to be my main text, and I want you to remember this. If you're electronic or you're paper Bible or whatever, this would be a great text to read this week. But of course, it's all over. The movement is dead. It seems like nothing's going to happen. Peter and his buddies are out, and they're fishing again. In John 21, verse 1, later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. And this is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there, Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. They're all having a a pity party together. And so they went out into the boat, and they caught nothing all night. This is an echo of a previous biblical story, but they didn't catch anything, and Jesus originally had called them. And, of course, this is what's going on. And at dawn, it says, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. And he called out, fellows. I think it was like, hey, fellas, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. They had not caught any fish. Here's championship secret number one. Jesus meets you at your lowest moment. Jesus meets you at your lowest moment. Not when you come out of it, not when you figure everything out, not when you get over your addiction, not when everything seems perfect, not when you're not mad at your spouse any longer, not when you get your money back. He comes to you and meets you at your lowest 
point, your lowest moment. Not only had Jesus died, the movement they were a part of had disbanded, they had lost. But to add insult to injury, they fished and caught nothing. This is like the car not starting, the water heater breaking down, and there's no propane for the gas grill. Nothing is going right. Anybody ever been there before? And along comes Jesus, and he states the obvious, you catch anything. See, Jesus knows what we're going through, and he wants to enter our story at that place. That's where Jesus wants to get in. When we're at our lowest, he's right there. He's there after you've lost a loved one. He's there when you've lost a job. He's there when you screwed up and you did something you know you shouldn't have. He's right there. And this is the greatest news in all of creation, friends. Jesus doesn't wait for us to get right. He steps into our mess and he begins a turnaround, a comeback. Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. If you are crushed, I want you to know that Jesus specializes in meeting you in your lowest moments. Secret number two, championship secret number two. Jesus will tell you to recast your perception. He will tell you to recast your perception. Verse six, then he said, throw out your net on the right side of the boat and you'll get some. And so they did and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Now this is a reminder moment because they knew Jesus did miracles. But isn't it amazing when you're at your low moments you forget a lot of the good stuff? You forget how good God is. You forget how he's brought you through stuff. You get into those low moments, and now Jesus steps in, and he goes, okay, do this again on the other side. They had just come in. They had fished all night long, and now Jesus says, go on the other side. Recast it. Do it a different way. You're in your boat again, but shift the weight over. It was a reminder moment. But I want you to know that when we're down in the dumps and we're licking our wounds and we're giving up the dream, it can cloud our viewpoint, and we stop dreaming, we stop seeing potential, we reduce our vision, we no longer have an anticipation or an optimism about the future, and then Jesus, in a sense, says, yo, recast the vision, rethink your life, rethink what is possible. I'm in your story now, and something could happen. He begins to say, shift your perspective. Maybe a vacation will help you. Maybe you need to pray in a different room. Maybe you need to fast. Maybe you need to do something. Maybe you need to hang out with some believers who are optimistic. and Come around people that have faith and let their faith be a part of your story. He says, recast your vision. When Jesus enters a story, he has the ability to overwrite corrupt codes. No matter your DNA, your family of origin, no matter the mistakes, the pain, the disappointment, Jesus is the one who whispers comeback into your soul. There's a comeback coming. Proverbs 24, 16, the godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. He wants to bring that comeback. Now, I love this story because as Jesus continues to talk to his disciples, they come to shore, they got the fish, and he makes them breakfast. It had to be the best breakfast ever, right? God makes you breakfast. He knows how to make it exactly the way you want it. And they're eating breakfast. They're talking back and forth with one another. And, and yet, 
as they're hanging close to him, there's a moment where Jesus then targets one individual out of the group. It's like hanging out with the coach, and the coach is giving the direction to everybody, but then the coach says, I want to talk to you, Peter. I want to talk to you separate from everybody else. Anybody ever had the teacher say, I want you to stay after class? You're like, oh, what's going on next? What's going to happen? Verse 15, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. And feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Now, I want you to consider what's going on right now. Jesus is pulling Peter aside because Peter isn't thinking about his future. He's actually reverted to previous versions, the 1.0 of who he was before Jesus. And Jesus steps in there, and he's not interested in just saying, hey, I still want to be your friend. But he steps in saying, I still got plans for you. There's still a vision, there's still a future for you, there's still designs, there's still appointments that I have for you. You have purpose. And so he's speaking these things into Peter. And he begins with a conversation. And I I want you to see in this secret number three. Secret number three is Jesus won't let you settle, he'll call you out. Jesus won't let you settle, he'll call you out. If you listen, he is calling you out. He's calling you out of lethargy. He's calling you out of self-pity. He's calling you out of tiredness. He's calling you away from low and small dreams. And he's calling you into who he's designed you to be. He'll call you out. And even though you're in a crowd, you can listen to a message on a Sunday. And you can hear the preacher yelling at you every Sunday. And while I'm preaching the word, I'm talking to a crowd, but I don't know how many people have pulled me aside after services and go, Pastor, how did you know? How did you know? God was speaking this one thing so clearly to my heart. And this is the way Jesus works. Jesus begins to speak to you, and he pulls you aside, even from this crowd, and he begins to knock on your, on, on your shoulder. He, he begins to whisper in your ears, I'm talking to you right now. And church, I'm asking you the question today, is he calling you away? Is he refusing to let you settle in to your early versions of your story? It's important to see. Jesus knows your name and your story. And when he's with the team, he has this side conversation with individuals. He asks, do you love me? Why did he ask that question? Because he's challenging Peter to say out loud who Peter is and who Peter loves. This is important. When you're at your low moments and you're following your feelings, you're licking your wounds, you're worried, you're frustrated, in those low moments, you can pull away from every source of hope in your life. How many have ever tried to get close to somebody and they pushed you away? And Jesus is asking the question, Peter, don't push me out. Do you love me? And Peter had to answer, yes, Lord, I love you. It was as if his words were speaking into action where his heart needed to be. Sometimes we need to speak out those things before we feel it. 
and remind ourselves, no, my life is found. I am a child of God at the bottom of everything. I love Jesus. He died for me. At the bottom, all my hungers, all the debate, all the frustrations, all the things going on in my life, all the things that don't seem to make sense and they don't have any kind of clarity. In those moments, it's important to pause and say, Jesus, I love you. Because it brings it all back to where the basis, the foundation is for everything else in your life. It brings it all back. Failure had taken Peter's voice from him. And Jesus still had plans for his voice. Jesus was going to use Peter and his voice. But his voice better start with, and by the way, if you want to preach to the world, it better start by talking to Jesus. Don't tell the whole world about Jesus before you've been talking to Jesus. And his voice needed to be first dedicated to the one he loves so that he could speak and be used of God for what God wanted to do through him. Jesus refused to let Peter push his calling off. Secret number four. Secret number four, Jesus restores what was lost. Jesus restores what was lost. Verse 15 of John 21, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep. And Jesus said a third time, he asked, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Three times, Peter had denied Jesus. And three times, Jesus asked the question. It was as if Jesus was canceling out the worst defeat of Peter's life, the worst regret of his life. And Jesus was restoring that back. You notice Jesus didn't say, what were you thinking, Peter? How many of us do that with the people that we're mad at? What were you thinking? Why did you do that? That was stupid. How could you? Did you ever love me in the first place? He didn't say anything like that. Each question canceled the failure and pointed to Peter's comeback on Team Jesus. Jesus was bringing him back on the team. Peter had removed himself from the team, and now Jesus is calling them back on the team. And for every setback, there is a question. Do you love me and a responsibility? Then feed my sheep. This is what I want you to catch. Jesus, when he comes in, he asks us to speak to him. There's a question. Do you love me? Peter says, yes. Then there's an action step. Then feed my sheep. If you love me, then. If, then. If, then. If you love Jesus, then you'll get back involved in what Jesus is wanting you to do. 
You take care of the things that Jesus takes care of. You go away from the selfish nature where life is lived only for yourself, where you're only filtering everything through what everybody else does to you and says about you, and you move into the place of a servant that Jesus had showed his disciples. You go back to taking care of people. Peter had gone into motion to take care of himself. He went back to his business, back to fishing, just to pay his bills, And Jesus says, do you love me? Yes. Well, if you love me, then I want you to go back to doing what I called you to do in the first place. Get back in business. Get off the mat. Lean into Jesus. Hear him call you. Get back into the game. You see, Jesus is a really good coach. He reminds Peter that he is still on the team. And then he essentially says, get off your butt and feed my sheep. It's the day of Pentecost when all the Holy Spirit had showed up. It was Peter that stood up to preach that first New Testament church gospel message. It was Peter's voice that would compel people to repent and turn to God. It was Peter's challenge with the words of God that would call people to a relationship with a loving Savior. It was the igniting of an absolute spiritual revolution. And it was Peter that Jesus was going to use to lead the way. What does it mean to settle for you? What does it mean to settle for you? Are you settling for less than a championship? Have you folded your dreams up and thrown them in the trash. Champions push past all these barriers. What if someone around you falls or fails or your spouse left you? What about people that have been serving Jesus and they're faithful but they're tired? What about my family? What happens to them if I don't make a comeback? What if I'm in fatigue and frustration, then I want you to hear, Jesus is walking up your shore, and he's asking, did you catch anything? And he meets you at your lowest moment, and he tells you to recast your perception. He won't let you settle, he will call you out, and he will restore what was lost. Today, Jesus is calling. He's calling out to you. You have a responsibility to listen. Thanks for listening to Emmanuel Today. You can learn more about Emmanuel and enjoy other messages by checking out EmmanuelCC.org. Emmanuel Sunday services can be seen live every week at 9 and 11 a.m. at EmmanuelCC.org. Be sure to tell others about this broadcast that they could enjoy next week at this same time.